And so we understand that that name is a legal name. I, w- I would like to get uh, through the book of Acts a little bit today on, on Acts chapter 3. It starts with a lot of trouble with uh, Peter all the way to Acts chapter 16 where they get thrown in prison many times because of that name. And the Sanhedrin said, you know, they kept threatening them and we'll go over that. Do not teach no longer in this name. So that name is a very threatening name. Uh, I was watching a video this morning and a man said that Satan doesn't care how moral you live, but when you start living uh, for Jesus, through the name of Jesus, uh, power in the name of Jesus, that's what Satan doesn't like because that's what Satan was defeated by. And so we'll, we'll start with, um, I think we kind of ended around Mark chapter 16. I'll go over it again. Um, the kind of the commission that Jesus left the disciples with. And I remember in this city, it was a really big deal for a long time for the pastors to pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody was afraid to pray. And I believe that's because it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's, it's demonic. But we also understand that Jesus' name is the power of attorney for, from last week, that he had commissioned the church, given him his name. And um, we'll go over that. It says, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them what? in the name of Jesus and the Father, the name, and the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus says, go, I think it's Matthew chapter 18, and make disciples and go in my name, you're, you're going as his representative as if it is Jesus himself that is going. And so Kenyon, and uh, I'm reading Kenyon, he was around the 1900s. He wrote a lot on the name of Jesus. Brother Hagen wrote on the name of Jesus. And one thing that he said was, it is as if, when you're using someone's name in the power of attorney, it is as if that person themselves is using their own name. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. That's why Satan hates that name. He's not afraid of you. Uh, You know, you, what is it, the seven sons of Sceva said in the name that Paul preaches. And they said, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know. But who are you? And And so the demon spirit overthrew them, stripped them of their clothes, and it says that they ran off naked. So, number one, you got to be a born-again believer to use the name. It was, uh, you inherited that name when you made Jesus Lord. Now Jesus is master. Jesus is responsible for you. And so you have a right to use that name as a child of God. Everything that now belongs to the Father now belongs to you, including his legal name. And so, um, the second thing Brother Hagin says was, have no unconfessed sin in your heart. He says it's hard to pray and to use the name when you have your heart condemning you. And so the, the third thing is, is you just have to know what is the rights and privileges of the name of Jesus. He said most people will never use the name of Jesus because they don't understand what it means when Jesus says, up until this point, we read this last week, he said, I think it's in John chapter uh, 16, up until this point, you've not asked for anything in my name. Now he said, ask the Father in my name, that it will be granted to you. So Jesus is now giving them a better way to pray. He's saying, now this isn't excluding fellowship with Jesus, your time with Jesus, talking with Jesus, but <clears throat> he's saying now this is the protocol on how to pray. You're gonna ask the Father in my name. And, but I wanna read this in Mark uh, 15. He says, go into all the world and preach the God, uh, so it's chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So Jesus is giving them a command. And so I believe that if Jesus is giving a command, there should be nothing that's stopping us or the church from going into the world and preaching the gospel. Because if Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he has the name above every name, and he's telling people to go, then now, what does the Bible say? Uh, Ambassador School of Ministry, it says we are all ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And so an ambassador goes on behalf of a king representing that person and coming in his name as if that king was coming himself and speaking for him. That's a better word now is the power of attorney. So... He says in verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. If you stop for a second and think about it, he's saying that when you believe in the name of Jesus, you start using the name of Jesus. He says you should have signs accompanying you. You should have signs following you. You should have your belief that 
when I start using the name of Jesus or I'm coming in the name or I'm believing in the name of Jesus, he says, these signs will follow those who believe in my name, uh, what, which means that everywhere you go, you should have signs and wonders following you. And so that's what, this is a, the Bible is a legal document. And the reason King James is such a popular version is because they said that the King James version is more like a text document of a legal like in a, in a court of law. It has the most accurate terminology to, uh, to, you know, to like a will or a case. And that's why King James, that people like that, you know, for the Greek. But signs and wonders should follow those who believe in my name. Number one, they'll cast out demons. Number two, they'll speak with new tongues. Number three, they'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick. And Jesus says, they will recover. Not they might recover. You know, maybe one day they'll recover. He's saying, you do this, they will recover. And Brother Hagin says, studying this and getting this uh, into you is how you start getting faith for this. Because the more you study your legal rights of the name and you spend time in it, he says, you got to get it from your head down into your heart, into your spirit, man. That's where the person, the heart of a man, uh, the Bible says, out of the heart flows the issues of life, but the heart is what the Bible's saying. It's talking about the innermost being of that man. So when Adam was walking with God, he was a spirit man, and his spirit dominated him. That's why, uh, you know, the things that he did, he was naming all the animals. He was walking with God. When he sinned, then his flesh or the sense knowledge, the intellect took over. And so many universities have tried to work God out of a job, a miracle working God out of a job, by crowning the intellect. But that's what happened with Adam. Adam's whole, uh, it switched from him going from his spirit to crowning the intellect to where uh, now people don't know about the unseen realm where Jesus was talking about. Jesus spent a lot of time uh, dealing with devils and demons. And as it is as if today, most people don't even talk about demons or devils. They think maybe it's all over like Tallahassee and kind of the, the slums are the worst part. But Jesus spent a lot of time when he was praying for people, uh, being sensitive to the spirit realm, deal, dealing with spirits, wickedness, uh, Ephesians 6. And so, and I think we can go there. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. So I, I believe that you can, you can believe that signs and wonders should follow you using that legal name. And remember that, that name is just as, we went over this last week, just as powerful in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. In Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and what? His power, his might. might. The name is, he's backing his own name. You don't have to try to muster up the strength. We're going to read this in Acts chapter 3. When the apostles were using the name of Jesus, he makes a, a statement. He said, it's not by my own power or my own holiness made this man to walk. So he's saying, be strong in the power of God. Many people come into the throne room of God saying, Lord, this is what I've done. This is how good I've been. This is what I did and I did not do. And he's saying, no, I want you to come bring in only my name. Say, Father, you said in your word, ask the Father in my name and he shall give it. Not ask the Father because I've been a good Christian for 20 years. I've been tithing. I've never done anything wrong. Or it's been a long time since I've done something wrong. I should get this. No, he's saying, I want you to be strong in, his, in the power of his might. He said, but you're going to put on the whole armor of God that what, you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle. One thing I like about that is he's saying you're going to do something about the devil. Yes. You're, uh, many people want to have, uh, you know, like pastor will say, we'll live a certain way for 20, 10, 15, 20 years, and then they want pastor to wave a magic wand and uh, Satan get off me and everything change overnight. Uh, if you don't know how to deal with Satan yourself, he's coming back to mess with you. And that's why we teach the word. That's why it says Jesus, he says he could do no mighty work in his hometown lest he lay his hands on a few sickly folk. 
And it says he marveled because of that. What did he do right after that? He said he marveled because of their unbelief. So right after it says he went about the villages teaching them. So learning and uh, getting an education about it is, what, is the same thing as doing the works of Jesus. So we're actually doing the works of Jesus right now, teaching you how to use the name. So he's saying you're, you're going to put on the whole armor of God you're, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we may be able to pray, uh, and I'll go over this. We may be able to pray over you, take authority over Satan, and you, may, you can pray over people's lives, but eventually they're going to have to do something about the devil themselves. And many times you can do something long enough for them to make a conscious decision. Brother Hagin said many people want to do right. They want to come to church. They want to change. But a lot of people don't know how. But it's after you take authority over the Satan to quit messing with their life, he says, then they're going to have to learn themselves. So put on the whole armor of God. You are going to stand against the devil. We're not going to wrestle flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual host and the wickedness of the high places. So um, Colossians 4.12, it says, Ephesus, who was one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring, fervent for you uh, in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. I want to read a little bit of this, because Brother Hagin's going to talk about that. He's saying that Ephesus is laboring, He's a minister of Christ, laboring. He's striving fervently in prayer. So what does he say? He says the king word laboring means, uh, King James laboring means striving or to wrestle, to struggle, to combat. Ephesus was always wrestling, struggling, or combating for the Colossians in his prayers. With whom was he struggling? Whom was he agonizing over? Was he, uh, he wasn't agonizing and struggling with God. He said it was already God's will to bless men. He said prayer doesn't change God. But because uh, God never has a shadow of turning about him in James 1.17, God doesn't change. He says we pray according to the will of God that we receive the provisions he made for us, but we're not striving, wrestling, and struggling and combating with God. The wrestle is with the unseen forces scheming and battling against the purposes of God. He said the unseen force, of course, is the devil and demons and all their activity. They fight against the plan of God. They battle against the ministry of God that... God called me to fulfill, Brother Hagin's talking. I would shut myself up in my last church I pastored for two or three days, just the time of fasting and prayer. And he says, it's like that point in my life for the next 15, uh, for the next six months, he says, it seems if I had fought more devils than I had in 15 years of ministry put together. He said it was like they were ganging up on me because he was praying out the plan of God. And so he said, uh, demons deceive and dominate people in more ways than we realize. They try to stop people from coming to God. They try to hold Christians back from uh, spiritual development. And so he tells the story about his uh, brother-in-law, uh, Buddy Harrison, and uh, how he said that Harrison House Publishing became one of the greatest Christian book authors in the world. But Buddy Harrison had kind of this, un that he was a schizophrenic where he couldn't hold a job down. He was all over the place. Uh, you know, they said it. sometimes he was a good boy, but then all of a sudden he would start smoking. And then he walked up to Brother Hagin and he puffed a big cigar smoke in his face. And then he'd walk off just doing things that just out of the ordinary. And Brother Hagin said, I never said anything to him. He just said, I went to the Lord in prayer about him. And he says, as he was praying, and I'm not saying this is every situation, because Brother Hagin says, the Bible says you'll deal with not only the devil, but you got your own flesh and you got your own world that you're dealing with. Now, many times you can take authority over the devil off people, but then they got to work through their own flesh. I got many friends, their parents never disciplined them. And, you know, you can take authority over maybe if there is a spirit behind it, but really a lot of them haven't been disciplined to where they're now they're, you know, 20, 30 year olds throwing tincture tantrums because this happened the other night at a friend's house where uh, a friend we grew up with was throwing kind of a fit, an adult kind of fit. And I said, well, I don't think you can cast the devil out of that. He just has never been spanked and he's always gotten his own way. And so he needs to just grow out of that. And, and somebody's going to have to talk with him about it. And I said something to him, you know, in, in a nice way and he didn't like it. But I just knew I'm following my spirit. I know it's not a devil I'm dealing with with him. He's, he's got so much into the world and his own flesh that he's got to put his own flesh under. But sometimes you know, you can feel when there's a spirit about it. Um, Brother Hagen was telling a story about a, a woman 
uh, and her husband, they were pastoring a church, and he said it was a good church. He said they would stand up in the pulpit and preach, but he said that uh, it was like that there was something in the air that when you would speak, it was like that that was coming right back at you and hitting you right back in the face. And that happened with me in youth a few years ago. There was a lot of kids in there, and I don't think we did enough praying at the time, and I went to go preach on just some dealing with some things that were happening in the youth group that needed to be dealt with. Some kids, how they were living, the music they were listening to, the attitudes, and I started to get up to preach, and it was like I couldn't even see. I was, I was speaking, and they were making moans and groans in the, in the background, and I know that is a spirit. Yes. That's not, there, there's a whole collection of them that we should have been dealing with in the spirit, saying in the name of Jesus, Satan, get your hands off these kids. You don't have a right in this church, in this house, but that time, I didn't really understand that. I thought, well, it's just these kids and how they were raised. Might have been, but there's still a lot of things in the unseen. The Bible says we're not wrestling flesh and blood. There's still a lot of things going on in the unseen that we're not seeing. And so he said, I'm not wrestling flesh and blood. I did not deal with, I did not deal with Buddy. He said, what I dealt with was the three spirits that the Lord had given me in a vision. He said, I prayed for him. And he said there was three demon spirits following Buddy Harrison around. And he didn't have the spirit in his spirit because he's saved. But what happens is, is a spirit can oppress you. It can get around you, start talking to you, start yielding to it. You got a sickness in your body, that spirit that's, it gets in your body, starts messing with your flesh. So he said at any time, Buddy Harrison would yield to one of the three spirits. And so that's why they said he was schizophrenic. That one minute he was going this way, the next minute he was going this way, then he was over here trying to do this, and it was like he couldn't get control over, over himself. He wanted to, to do right. So the, um, the Lord told Brother Hagin, say in the name of Jesus, I command these three spirits to stop their maneuvers against Buddy. So Brother Hagin said it. He wrote it down in his journal, and the Lord said within 10 days he'll have a job. From that job, then he'll start Harrison House Publishing which went on to be one of the greatest um, book distributors in the world. And, but what he was dealing with was the spirit that he couldn't, Buddy couldn't get a hold of his uh, control of his own life. So uh, as a pastor, I saw people who were held by unseen forces, caused me great concern. I wondered how I could help them. Many times I was led to com- uh, command unseen powers to be broken over them, and it worked. I just said, in the name of Jesus, I command Satan's power to be broken over this person's life. Instantly, They were delivered, and I've seen it happen over and over again. Here's something Kenyon said. I found the reason many men did not accept Jesus as their Savior was because they were held by the power of demons. The people were hungry. They wanted deliverance from sin. They craved eternal life, but they were unable, many of them, to break loose from the bonds that were holding them. Hundreds of people have said to me, I cannot become a Christian. I want to, but something holds me. I have simply laid my hands on their shoulder and said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I command the power that holds you broken now in his mighty name and get on your feet. With tears of joy, they have obeyed. And I've prayed with men that were held by habits of tobacco, liquor, lust. And in the same mighty name, I've seen them delivered usually instantaneously. And that's in uh, the name of Jesus by Kenyon's book. So Brother Hagen goes on to tell stories about how he was, uh, as a pastor, he would take, um, you know, a clerk job. At, during the Christmas time, and he was working at a convenience store, and everybody was drinking Coca-Colas. And everybody just kind of bought Cokes kind of throughout the day. And he says, got to a while where he was drinking two, three, four, five Cokes a day, and, he, and then he'd leave the store, and he'd go get another Coke. And he thought, why am I drinking so many Coca-Colas? It's just like that addiction kind of got on him. And he said, I refuse to be bound by anything. He just said, in the name of Jesus, Coke. He said, I'm not against Coke. He just said, but I am against something that has the power to where I just can't function without that thing. And so he said, so he said, in the name of Jesus, I command that power to be broken over me. And he said, I just never went and drank another Coke for, he said, for the rest of his life. And so uh, then he said that happened with sweet tea, where he was drinking sweet tea. And then he got to a point where he couldn't even operate without having a glass of sweet tea. And then he, said the, he just said the same thing again. He just said, sweet tea, you're not going to have a power over me. In the name of Jesus, the name above every name, I break your power and your hold over me. And he says he, he drank sweet tea after that day, but he said he didn't drink it like he used to, where it was like, you know, and, and I've had that, uh, I've had to back off caffeine, you know, because it gets to a point where I'm drinking three cups a day, just trying to function. And then I got to wake up in the morning and say, no, in Jesus name. And I've literally cut it back to almost half or less where I'm drinking maybe a half a cup in the morning now. 
and maybe a, a little something later, but I'm not drinking three, four like I was before. Because it's almost like that something grabs a hold of you where it's like, I can't even move in the morning without a cup of coffee to just to start my day. So I still like enjoying having a good cup of coffee, but when you start drinking four of them, there's, there's starting to be a problem just to function. We used to have guys at work. I mean, they were in and out of the, the coffee shop back when uh, I worked at Pentaire. And I mean, every, almost it seemed like hour, you had guys walking back and forth with a big old cup of coffee. And I, I just don't, like Brother Hagin said, I refuse to have anything that would dominate and to hold me. But he said many times, he said with people, like with nicotine, with alcohol, he just said I would simply put my hand on them. He says they'd have to give me permission to do it. But once he prayed, he just said we would pray, and he just said I just break this power in Jesus' name. And he said immediately that person would be loosed. And so that's you're using the name against unseen forces, against things that are um, uh, happening in people's life. But he says people have to want to be helped. I would like to go to um, let's go to Acts chapter three. Actually, uh, this book was how I got healed. I had a um, purple rash that showed up on the bottom of my legs. I don't know where it came from, but it turned dark purple, and it stayed there for a few years. And um, I couldn't get rid of it. And I was reading every kind of healing book that I could think of. And uh, I just was, like, claiming my healing and claiming my healing. And I'm healed. I know I'm healed because what Jesus did on the cross, he bought healing Sick, Jesus isn't sick. I'm not sick. He paid. Christ hath redeemed me. Galatians 3 from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. So if Jesus uh, was hung on a tree like in the Old Testament, the serpent, I shouldn't have to bear my own sickness and diseases. Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2.24, he bore my sickness and disease on the tree. But I'm confessing that, but I'm not, my healing's not manifested. And so reading this book actually helped me understand the authority that Jesus left with his name. We're going to read that. First notable miracle that happens is going to be Acts chapter 3, verse 1. This is the first, I believe, uh, first miracle that Kenyon said happened in the New Testament with the name of Jesus. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain lame man that is from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John uh, about to go into the temple, asked them for alms, and fixing his eyes on him, John, Peter, oh, fixing their eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And he gave him his attention, expecting to receive from them. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give it to you. So Peter understood he had something. Peter knew he was walking around carrying something that was of power. I think a lot of times we just kind of blow over those scriptures. And we, we do look at the part where he was expecting to receive something. But the one thing Peter said, I know what I'm carrying, and right now I'm going to give it to you. And the man was willing. He was ready to receive. So the more you understand the name of Jesus, the power that's behind it, all of heaven that's behind it, that it's backed by deity, it's backed by Jesus himself, then you're going to use that name with a lot more authority. He says, when two or three are gathered in my name, the church gathers in the name of Jesus. It's a, it's a holy thing when we come together on behalf of his name. Sunday morning, we gather in Jesus' name, sing about Jesus and what he did on the cross. There's a, in the Acts of the Apostles, that name was highly revered and reverenced. When Jesus died of a death of a criminal, you were no longer to speak that criminal's name. So now they're going through Jerusalem speaking his name everywhere, which was illegal to do during that time. He said, but what I do have... I'm giving this to you. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then Peter took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and it says immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. I love some, a story my mother told me, or told us when the time my uncle went into the hospital, he was in a coma for six months. Um, the Lord told my mom, Focus on the scriptures where it says immediately they received strength. Immediately they were made whole. And believe for 
the suddenlies of God, that the immediately's would happen for him when you get there. Because if you're not, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and if you're not studying these things and putting them in you, how do you believe for it? So she said, you know, I remember reading that, but I never really took time to study about the immediately's of things happening. So when she got up to Tennessee and everybody was kind of, um, well, they weren't really praying, but they were just sitting around because one side of my family, they just really believed that everything good and bad that happens is up to God and there's really nothing you can do about it. It's his will. And if he lives or he dies, whatever. But my mom went in there and she said that when the kind of some of the kids were still in there and she laid hands on him and she said, I command you to come out of this coma in Jesus' name. She got there on Tuesday. By Friday, he was out. And the kids saw it with their own eyes. And they, they can't deny it. So this is what's happening here. And so my uncle came out of the coma. He was riding a dirt bike in Tennessee and he wasn't wearing a helmet and he hit his head. And so he was out for six months. And when my mom got up there, um, then that's when everything changed. And so God never works apart from man. He never worked apart from David. He never worked apart from Gideon. He never worked apart from Samson. He never worked apart from Jesus, Peter, Paul. So he needs people to work with you. People think it's all up to God. I sing the song kind of around the office. If God don't do it, it won't get done. Some lady was singing on, on Facebook, and it says, my laundry, you know. <laughs> so it's really, it's really a dumb song because they're putting all the responsibility on God. If God don't do it, it won't get done. That is true to a point, but God works with man on behalf of his divine purposes. And so, but I love to sing that song when it comes to things I don't want to do or or the laundry. (laughs) So sometimes the sovereignty of God works in my my favor when I don't want to do something. So Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked, entered the temple, walking with them, leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. So God's not scared to do something in front of people. They all knew that it was the man who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. I think God even still likes to make people wonder and amaze. He's not, he's not trying to, people say, oh, I don't, you know, you don't want the attention on yourself, but God wants the glory. So there's nothing wrong with, with wonder and amazement and, and miracles and things happening. And the whole Bible's full of that stuff. So, um, now at the time, the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, and all the people ran to them on the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Verse 12, when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? There's one translation I want to read in here. And let's see if I can find it. He said, it's not by our own power or our own holiness that made this man walk. He says, Brother Hagin says, you can be living right, but you cannot come to God bragging on yourself. When you come to prayer, come to the throne of God telling God uh, what you've done to get an answer. And so that's what he's saying. And I, I love that because you're, we do live holy because you don't want to open a door to the devil. But it is not your holiness that's causing the power of God to work in people's lives. So he goes on to say what happened. Verse 16. It says, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It, it didn't just heal the man. It says that he, it made him whole. It gave the man perfect soundness in the presence of everybody. And so um, I love that because Peter is telling people, it's not by my own holiness. It's not by my power. He said it's by what faith in the name. And so that relieves us of us trying to conjure up a miracle for somebody. I'm not going to give you a miracle. I'm going to believe the name. I'm going to put my faith in the name of Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in the name of what Jesus did at the cross on how he got that name and believe that God is is working. He says that you'll ask and you shall receive 
in John chapter 16 and John chapter 14 based off of ask in my name and it shall be given to you. That's my legal basis. And so one thing Kenyon said was he said, people will say, I know I'm healed because I, I can use my right arm again. I know I'm blessed because the money came. And he says, if you use that as your foundation, you will be deceived and fall shortly. He said, why are you healed? Because of what the word said. Why are you blessed? Because of what the Bible said. Yes, you do see the outward of of a healing. We do see this man running and leaping for joy off of what happened. But Peter said it was by faith in the name that made this man whole. So if the man, if you say, "Why I know I got my miracle because I can move my right hand again. No, you know you got your miracle because of by what the word said. That's where Kenyon says people will put their faith and they're waiting to see the manifestation. I want to see my miracle. I want to see miracles too, but I'm not, I'm blessed Luke 6 because Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God causes what? Men to give into my bosom. Yes, I'm expecting that it will produce a manifestation. But I'm not saying, I'm not looking for the manifestation as my foundation of why I should be blessed. My, my foundation's in the word. And so you always have to come, uh, uh, people will constantly look for their miracles. No, he said, look at the word. And it'll produce a miracle every time. That's your foundation of, of, for healing. That's your foundation of why God, you, you have a legal document that says, by faith in his name has made me whole. By faith in his name has made me have perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Not by, oh, I feel great today. Yes, it's good to feel good. But, oh, man, I know I'm healed because I can move my back again. No, I know I'm healed because of Acts 3.16. Think about John 3.16. You got Acts 3.16. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Acts 3.16 is another good one. That by faith in his name has made this man whole. That's some of my uh, favorite scriptures. So it keeps on going. Let's go to uh, chapter 4. Just, they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they're disturbed about the name Jesus. So they laid hands on them, put them into their custody until the next day, for it was already evening. You're going to have to be careful using the name. You're going to use it anyways, because I know you are, because there's power in that name. But you can see here that it's causing people to throw people in prison. Why? It says just because they preach Jesus' resurrection from the dead. They don't care about anything else. I mean, it's a notable miracle that's going on, and they're throwing them in jail because of what? The name of Jesus. That's how much Satan hates that name. Laid hands on them, put them into custody until the next day, and it was already evening. However, many of those who heard those words believed. And the number of the men came about 5,000. So using the name... Signs and wonders, like Mark 16, following, will cause men to start believing on the name of Jesus. However, um, it came to pass on the next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and many, as were the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. So it, it obviously caused a great uproar. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? So it, got, it got the whole city in an uproar to ask one question. What power was given to you, and by what name have you? This is a big deal. This is a big deal to the devil. He said, Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, especially when you're going to get into some situations. You're, like the Bible says, you're not going to know what to say in that hour. He says, but I will fill your words with my mouth. You open your mouth, and I'll fill it. So Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people of Israel. Now, this is the guy who just got done denying Jesus just a few chapters ago. He wouldn't even talk to a little girl at the fireplace. And she said, aren't you the one who believes in Jesus? And then he cusses her out and says, I don't even know that man. Now, a few chapters later, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, Peter didn't even have to go to rehab. Peter didn't have to go to counseling. It just said he got filled with the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of counselors would get put out of a job if people just get filled with the Holy Spirit. People, like Mark Hankins says, Peter didn't stand up on the day of Pentecost and says, well, you guys know I'm Peter. I'm the one who denied Jesus. I feel pretty bad about that. 
So I just want to let you guys know, he didn't say that. It says he got up and he said he preached the word to them. He didn't talk about his past. He preached the word and it says that the Holy Spirit came down and he got filled. Everybody got filled with the Holy Spirit with tongues of cloven fire. I believe the Holy Spirit will change a lot of things in people's lives and it's even changing in mind. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more you walk in the Spirit, uh, it makes tremendous uh, the prayers of a righteous man make tremendous power available to you. That's, it says the prayers of a righteous man avail much. And so if you look at the, the King James or different translations, it says it makes tremendous power available to that person. So Peter goes on and said, if we're judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? I mean, that's kind of sick that a whole city's uh, a people, a group is mad. Yeah about something good happening to somebody. That's how you know this, this is an unseen demonic spirit that's dealing with this. Because if you see somebody who's been lame his whole life get up on his feet, you would think people would be happy for him. But it caused a lot of people to get mad. So just because Jesus went around doing miracles doesn't mean everybody was happy with what he was doing. He says, let it known to be all that the people of Israel, the name of Jesus Christ... He says, I want to let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, it is by him this man stands before you whole. A few chapters ago, Peter said, girl, I don't even know him. I don't even, he's scared. Now he's standing up in front of the whole city. It is by the name of Jesus I want to let everybody in the city notice by the name of Jesus has made this man whole. Peter has, he's bold. He's bold. The Holy Spirit has made him bold now. God raised him from the dead, makes this man stand here before you whole. It is thy stone which you rejected by your builders, which has been the chief cornerstone. Nor there is salvation by any other. There is by no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. So hanging out with, being with Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus will make you a bold person. Even the people in the city, people will, in your family will say, there's something different about them. They've been with Jesus. Yeah. Seeing the man who had been healed standing with him, they could say nothing against it. But when he had commanded them to go outside of the council and conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to you all who dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But so this spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them. Which, think about that, threaten. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to threaten them. So Mark Hankins has a good statement. The dogs bark, but the train keeps rolling. <laughs> People can say all that they want, but at the end of the day, just keep moving forward. Amen. They're not going to stop you. Yeah. Amen. So it spreads no further. We're going to threaten them. That from now on, they speak to no man in what? In this name. So they called him and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, saying, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, that's for God to judge. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since they all glorified God by what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old who this miracle uh, had been performed. So then obviously now they're going to go back to their own company. Uh, the apostles, they're going to pray. Verse 29 um, they pray to prayer, says, why do the nations rage? People plot vain things. The kings of the earth are going to stand. Verse 29, now, Lord, look on their threats. Look on and grant your servant with all boldness that we may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so now they're going back to their own company. Now they're praying, Lord, look on their threats. Signs and wonders, you would grant to us signs and wonders through what? The name of Jesus. 
So this, go through the book of Acts, and, and I kind of highlighted everywhere, like in the color orange, where they're getting a lot of trouble for the name of Jesus. And so legal document, stretching out your hands, signs and wonders will be done. So we know now signs and wonders are done, what, through the name of Jesus. They accompany us, Mark 16, those who, the believing ones. So then they go on to pray that, and uh, it says, then they preached a huge sermon. Uh, People got saved. They laid money at the apostles' feet. Chapter 5, verse 12, we're going to keep going down this. Book of Acts has a lot to say about the name of Jesus. So they prayed for signs and wonders. What happened next? Verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Wow. So they prayed for it back in chapter 4, verse 30. Stretching out your hands. I've highlighted this in my Bible so I could see it. Signs and wonders may be done through your name and your holy servant Jesus. 5 verse 12. Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. They were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And the believers increased and added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. So after signs and wonders happen, remember, remember miracles causes people to get born again, causes people to believe. That's why we should pray for signs and wonders to happen. So that they brought many sick into the street. They brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by would fall on them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem bringing the sick people. And those who were tormented by what? Unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Not some of them. All were healed. And so every person that came... And remember, Peter said, what I have in, in chapter 3 is what I'm going to give you. Now he's walking around with his shadow, and it's healing people. Peter knows he's carrying the name of Jesus. He knows all the rights and privileges of that name. So that's chapter 5. Let's go to, uh, we're going to keep going through the book of Acts. There's a couple, there's, I think chapter 9 is my next. Chapter nine thirty-two. The more you study on the name, the more you uh, put this into your heart, the more this is, you're going to, it goes from, your, goes from your head knowledge to your heart knowledge, and faith starts to stir up, the meditation of the word. So verse 32, it came to pass, Peter went through all the parts of the country, came down to the saints who dwelt in Lyd- Lydia. There, there he found a certain man named Ananias, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Peter said, Ananias, Jesus, the Christ heals you, arise and make your bed. And then he rose, what? Immediately. So all those who dwell at Lydia and Sharon or Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Another notable miracles. So he says, Ananias, Jesus, so he's using the name, Jesus heals you. Not by what? Peter's, he said, not by my own holiness, not by my own power. But he said, it's the name of Jesus that heals you. He said, get up. And he said, immediately, after it being bedridden eight years, he's been made whole. So let's go to, um, I believe it's, I'm going to think it's Acts chapter 16 would be the last one. So all this is happening. The people are esteeming them greatly. They're afraid. But it's not going to stop people from trying to put them in jail. This is Paul now. Acts 16, 16. Now what happened is they went into prayer. A certain slave girl was possessed with the spirit of divination, fortune-telling, basically, who brought their masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaims us the way of salvation. Man, talk about even demons know who is the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. Paul, being greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit. He didn't say to the girl. He said to the spirit. A lot of times when you know you're dealing with a spirit, you, can, uh, you don't. He's talking directly to, to the spirit, not the person. But there's times I walked in a room and said, in the name of Jesus, I command this spirit to get off this person in Jesus' name. 
and they'll just stop. They just quit acting that way. I've seen many people at my last job who didn't like me. Uh, there's, there was one guy in particular, uh, a couple of them, that actually we became friends once kind of towards the end of me working there. And they're just, they're just bound by unseen garbage that's going on in their life. So it says that Paul turned to the Spirit. So I love something Mark Hagen says, we're not in a people fight, we're in a faith fight. We're in a fight to stay in faith. We're in a fight to, to know our rights and privileges, to use the word. Like he said, he's, we're not wrestling flesh and blood. We're, we're striving against unseen forces. It's not always a person you're dealing with. It could be a spirit behind that person. So, you, so a lot of times, I'll, you know, if I'm, someone's being, um, Brother Hagin said there'd be many times he'd be in prayer and the Lord would show him a spirit bothering a man in his church about to bring a split to that man's church. And, you know, it's somebody's yielding to that spirit in that church. But he said once they took authority over it, he said that all that ceased and it stopped. And so you're dealing with stuff that you don't always know in the spirit. And it could be against your job, your business. You just say, uh, like Brother Hagin said, simply, Satan, you take your hands off my money in Jesus' name. Ministering spirits, I loose you to go cause the money to come, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And then he said, then I just simply say the money will come. And because angels are ministering spirits sent forth in Hebrews to minister to those that will be heirs of salvation. But he said, I tell Satan, who's the God of this world, who's illegal, who's been defeated by Jesus, who's been dethroned by principalities and powers, and Jesus has dethroned him and defeated him, get your hands off my money in Jesus' name. And he said, I just found myself constantly saying that. And then he just said, I'd simply claim how much money I needed that week. And so you're going to have to use the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus says. Ask the Father in my name. So you're saying, no, I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Like he says, Ananias, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Rise up. So in the name of Jesus, I command money to come. And so you're, you're battling. I mean, so I've talked to friends, and they're like, you know, it just seems like I can't ever get up that break in life I'm looking for. It's like I'm almost there. I'm almost paid everything off, and something happens. Boom. Then they're owing a couple more thousand. And then right when that's about to be paid off, boom, then they're owing more money. And, and people are thinking, I've had friends tell me, I don't know, it's like I'm under a curse. And, and they're saved. They're born again, filled with the Spirit. But I said, well, what you're dealing with is an unseen foe, and you need to take authority over him. Because they're, they're like, well, I'm giving, I'm, I'm going to church, and there's all the stuff, but I just can't seem to get, break that where I was, get ahead in life. And so, like Brother Hagin said, many times Satan is working against the plan of God in people's lives. He's pulling people out of church. He's trying to get them back into the world. He's talking to them. And so, um, you're taking authority, you know, over that person. They came to church, and you say, no, Satan, get off that person. I call him back to church in Jesus' name. Loose him. Let him go. And because they're wrestling with things in their own life, and they don't, they don't quite understand why they can't get to church. But I love the story that Dad tells with his uh, best friend, Gray, was every time he prayed for Gray, Gray would show up to church. When he quit praying for Gray, Gray wouldn't even come to church. And to the point where Gray could eventually, uh, you know, learn his own rights and privileges, and then eventually Gray got on fire for God and held his own relationship with the Lord. But let's go back to this. Uh, let's see, I was in... 18, Paul was greatly annoyed. He's turned to the Spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it says he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. How did the master see? There must have been something that he physically saw that she changed. She must have changed. So the master saw that a notable thing had happened. Then he seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace with the authorities. They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. I think it's the other way around. But they're going to, they're gonna, people are going to come. I noticed when I started studying this subject, I started having all kinds of trouble with people. I had uh, trouble with my neighbors who are Christians. I had, I mean, it was just, and I was telling Steve about some of it. I had this guy, and he was just calling and texting me and calling me and texting me, and he's one of my neighbors. And I just thought, man, Satan, you must not like this book. <laughs> I said, in the name of Jesus, I command that spirit to shut up. I mean, I haven't heard really from them since. And so there's just things going on that when you start studying this, Satan knows the authority, and he hates it, so he's going to bring stuff. So much of their profit was gone. Let's see, what did he say? 
21, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up, gathered against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. I mean, these people are angry over this, over a, a girl getting delivered by the name. Satan hates the name of Jesus. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanded the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And so um, you understand that after this, that I think this was when uh, Paul and Silas, they end up getting out of jail. But that name has caused them a lot of problems. But the reason is because that name is very powerful. That name... Uh, has the same, I love the, uh, something Kenyon said, he is, it's the same power in heaven. You can go through heaven and use the name. You can go through the earth and use the name, and under the earth it says the name has just as much power. And so, um, let me see where I want to go now. We've got, we got nine minutes. And so John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. So this is demanding uh, our rights and privileges with the name. And you know, the more you study the name, it's almost like the, uh, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And more and more scriptures keep popping up about the name. And you're like, wow, this could go on for a long, a long time. John chapter 14, 13, 14. That was the one I told you. It says, most assuredly I say to you, verse 12, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do and greater because I, I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, he said, I will do it. One translation, KJV says, whatever you demand in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Demand anything in my name, and I will do it. So he says that, um, John 14 says that the Father may be what? Glorified. So God wants you to ask in the name of Jesus. Why? It brings him glory. And so he's saying, ask me. Ask the Father. So he's saying, come to me and come to the throne room and make a demand in my name. One guy was given a, he was a Greek translator, and he said, I started looking that up when I was in Brother Hagin's meeting. And he says, what it means is, whatever you demand as your rights and your privileges that are yours, Jesus says, I will do. So what the word that you know, that's what Jesus is going to do. But he's really saying this, uh, Brother Hagin says he was really talking about uh, using this against, oh, John 16, 24 is against the, is the enemy. So Jesus is wanting us to ask, John 16, 24, we'll go to this one. But he's wanting you to place a demand, kind of like the bank account. I come in, I want $1,000. I'm asking for it, but you're really placing a demand on that. Well, with what now, you have the book of Acts that we went through, 16, I think it was 16, 24. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask you shall receive that your joy may be full. I have a scripture right here that says I can ask. I ask it in the name. I will receive it. And I, that the Father says that your joy will be full. So God wants you to come to him and ask him on behalf of the Father in his name. And so many religions will pray to Jesus, but that's not what he said. He said, go to the Father in my name. Because why? This is a legal term. This was something that Jesus paid a very high price to get this name. Like I said, by, by bestowal, it was given to him, by inheritance and by conquest is how he got that name. And so it's a legal, Satan knows that name. He was defeated in hell by the name of by Jesus himself. And so he respects and honors that name. And so whatever you place a demand in my name, it, it must be something that's already in the word. And so we went through the book of Acts and you're already seeing them using the name of Jesus many times. Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 9, and Acts chapter 16. Those are some legal uh, ways you can use the name of Jesus. Prayer for people, healing for people, uh, taking authority over spirits. This is how you use the name. 
uh, asking for things that you need. John chapter 16, John chapter 14, he's saying, I'm telling you a better way to pray. Ask the Father. So these are just a few scriptures of what does the name of Jesus do. So last week we talked about how he got the name that now the name of Jesus is a, is a legal word, but now we're showing you the uses of the name of Jesus. You're going to use the name of Jesus on unseen powers. You're going to use the name of Jesus when you're praying for people. Sometimes people at the gym, I'm just praying for them. I just say, Father, uh, I, you know, I want to pray for this person. I just take authority in the name of Jesus over anything that's bothering this person. Loose them in Jesus' name. And then I ask him, would you like to get born again? You know, do you know Jesus? you want to be freed from the curse of the law? And so um, I use the name when I'm praying for people. Use the name when you're praying for healing. Use the name when you're praying over your finances. And so these are just a few examples of us uh, using the name. Oh, I was supposed to stop at 9.50. So I think she told me that because they want to practice at 10 o'clock. So that's the, uh, that's the second session of the name of Jesus. How many are enjoying that? How much power that heaven is backing the name of Jesus. The apostles had great revere for the name of Jesus. They used the name so much that it caused so many problems that it got them thrown in prison. So, <laughs> but Jesus told them, use my name. And Satan hates that name. Why? It works. It's powerful. Not by your own holiness, not by your works, but faith in what? The name of Jesus. Cause this man to be whole. Which is, it's up, it's, that's where it is God's going to, he does his part, but you have to do your part. Father, we thank you for your name, uh, the name of Jesus that's above every other name, that every name in heaven and earth and under the earth shall bow to the name of Jesus, that there is salvation by none other but through his name, that through your name and faith in the name causes people to be made whole. Father, I pray even right now in this room that in the name of Jesus, people that are struggling in their bodies right now, that they be made whole with perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter says, what I do have, I'm going to give you. So, Father, right now I'm releasing in Jesus' name what I have, releasing the healing power of God into people's bodies that would make them whole, that would make them have perfect soundness in the presence of us all, that signs and wonders, Father, would follow us in the name of Jesus, and that many people would be saved and born again and cause many to believe. And we thank you for your wonderful name, the name above every name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345 and remember our pastor's vision is this we grow christians so we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time